The views and opinions of the EDGE podcast do not necessarily represent those of Education USA, U.S. Department of State, or the U.S. government. Welcome to The Edge, the Education USA Global Exchange Podcast, broadcasting from the central nervous system of our global network, Washington, D.C. Welcome to The Edge, the Education USA Global Exchange. I'm Adina Archer, and this is your official channel for all things U.S. higher ed and international student recruitment and retention. The real, the raw of a growing international network circling the globe and often on the road. Before we dive in, remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite provider. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Edge. I'm Karen Bauer coming to you from sunny Dubai in the United Arab Emirates, where I'm based as Education USA's Regional Educational Advising Coordinator, often referred to as a REAC. I help our network to advance international student mobility to the United States. And in doing so, it has done close cooperation with our State Department colleagues. We are there to support our advisors in the field, working with you, our U.S. higher education institutions, in making sure we are finding the best ways to reach students around the globe. My regions consist of six countries in the Middle East, Bahrain, Iran, Kuwait, Oman, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates, and then seven countries in Central Asia, Afghanistan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Pakistan, Tajikistan, and Turkmenistan. Over the past two years has been fascinating and inspiring to see how we have met students' needs virtually when in-person was not an option due to the pandemic. Now, it might be new to some of our listeners to learn in some places around the world, we've been supporting students virtually even before the pandemic. That's why I am excited to introduce to you our episode today, Advising from Afar, Virtual Tools for Recruiting Students in Hard-to-Reach Places. To help us dive into this topic, we are joined by two special guests who are experts on virtual advising, our Education USA advisors, Amy Hamadi and Amira Cardani. Amy Hamadi is located in Washington, D.C. and manages our RAND Virtual Advising Center. She's been with us for about five years and has always had a virtual operation. Her online presence isn't new to her, and she has great suggestions and examples that she's going to share with us today. Now, moving on to North Africa, we go to Amira. Amira covers Libya and is based out of our Amity Center in neighboring Tunis, Tunisia. In addition to advising, she's been teaching English for a number of years at our center, and she has insights as to how she set up her office to reach Libyans. Let's go ahead and get started. Thank you, Karen, and hello, everyone. I'm Emi Hamidi, based at the Institute of International Education, IIE, in the heart of Washington, D.C. I work with Iranian students across the globe and, of course, U.S. universities to promote U.S. higher education. I'm very pleased to be here today with you and my wonderful colleague, Amira. Thank you so much for this great opportunity. So I am Amira. I'm from Tunisia. 
and I'm based at Amity Studios. I'm working as the Education USA advisor from Libya. And before this position, I used to work as an ESL instructor for six years, and I also worked as a web journalist. So I'm happy to be with you today, ladies. Thank you so much for your introductions. And really, the first question I have for you is, how do you do this? How do you manage your offices? How do you reach your students? Sure. Iran is one of those hard-to-reach countries. There is no Education USA advising center in Iran. We do not have a U.S. embassy in Iran. There is no connection between Education USA Iran Center and the Ministry of Higher Education, Iranian schools or universities inside of Iran. So one of the most important strategies that I have is to always keep myself updated about the trends and news in the country by conducting my research through various media outlets, both in Farsi and English. And when I have interns at the center, so that process can go faster. So what about you, Emira? How do you manage that? Yeah, thank you, Amy. And uh, we have like a lot of common points here when it comes to reaching out to uh, students. So that's true, um, Karen, we are virtual, but we manage a bunch of tasks. For instance, um, I coordinate with public and private Libyan schools to disseminate information about um, U.S. higher education and available opportunities for students. And I also advise individuals, whether they are students, parents, teachers, um, counselors, seeking guidance and information um, on studying in the U.S. I also manage uh, the Virtual Competitive College Club, or what we call the CCC, in which I have 18 high-achieving high school students from Libya. And I also coordinate with U.S. university representatives to help recruit students uh, from Libya. And yes, everything is done virtually. Really amazing. Thank you so much for just explaining all of that. Can you tell us a little bit more about how your students come to you and know that you are there online for them? Yeah, sure. Yeah, as Amira mentioned, everything is done virtually. When I first started this position, I realized that raising awareness about the services that Education USA Iran provides is very needed. So the very first thing that I did was that, you know, just started working with um, the most well-known Persian online radio channel to promote Education USA Iran services through various social media platforms and through various online campaigns. We had some campaigns on their mobile application, did some animated videos about how we can provide educational information for Iranian students, not only those who are in Iran, many Farsi-speaking students who are interested in coming to the U.S. So students come to me from different countries like, you know, Armenia, Malaysia, Turkey, use those online campaigns to target these students virtually. And the point is that we are everywhere. So I always say that we are active on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and offer virtual office hours through WhatsApp. Wonderful. Um, Amy, I like the idea of the animated videos, so you got to teach me how to do that. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. Mainly working on social media. That's impressive. Um, so for my side, um, social media has been my favorite hands-on tool. 
that helped me to turn my ideas into action. So as Amy mentioned, I'm also on, on almost every virtual platform. So Education USA Libya is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. So to extend virtual engagement with Libyan students, virtual programming is very essential on my to-do list. So um, I hold the minimum of two webinars per month. So these webinars are usually with higher education institutions, sometimes with Libyan alumni of uh, US universities, or just me. And um, these sessions, they are usually held live on our Facebook page and then uploaded on YouTube channel because some students and some parents, they don't have Facebook accounts. I organize collaborative virtual info sessions with Libyan schools in which students can ask their questions directly and receive more details about the five steps to study in the US. So I think that, that is wonderful that you can do sessions with the schools in Libya. For Iran, we do not have any connections with the schools. We do not do that typically, but we conduct info sessions with US schools and have them live on our Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Fantastic. Wow. Well, you know, Amy and Amira, it's just amazing to hear your virtual engagement and how students come to you and reach you. And so maybe you could just dive a little bit deeper into the specific platforms you use to communicate with your students. So uh, for Olivia, uh, WhatsApp is very, very popular. So most of the students uh, reach out to me by WhatsApp and uh, also Facebook. And sometimes I find some of the requests on the Instagram and the Twitter accounts. How about you, Amy? Is it the same there? Yeah, I can say that for schools, typically they communicate with the center via email. But for students, actually, our main source is, is our website, www.educationusairan.com. We have an online advising form on our website, and we always encourage our students to go there and fill out that online form. For WhatsApp, we offer virtual office hours every Thursday and Friday. And that is not only for students, that's also open for schools. Other than that, as I said, Instagram and Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube actually is a great source. It has so many webinars and info sessions and student testimonials. This is the way that I communicate with mine and the students communicate with us. Well, that's awesome. Just shifting gears a little bit, you know, and talking about social media, how about the both of you in social media in your personal life as well? I know for me, things like LinkedIn is just huge. I know that's a professional network, but it really, I find it so helpful. Matt, how about the both of you? That's a good question. <laughs> so when it comes to social media, I like to share the unique things I do and places I visit, like, you know, from trendy Instagram cafes to shopping deals and fancy pictures. And um, TikTok is my second regular after work social media of choice. I like to watch fast recipes because I love cooking. And I like to watch some short tutorial music videos to enhance my guitar skills because I play guitar. How about you, Amy? <laughs> I love that. So I have never used TikTok. So please teach me on how to use really? it. I love it. <laughs> yes. I say that um, I'm an extrovert and I love communicating with people and exchanging ideas. But when it comes to my social media platforms, I prefer to be very selective about the content I post. 
I always make sure that my content is useful for someone, like an inspiring quote. I'm also a big fan of recipes. The three of us can agree there's a lot of information on these different platforms, um, both personally and professionally, and a number of different ways that we can use them to our benefit. So thanks for sharing about that as well. Let's take a break now and hear from one of Amira's advisees, Mohammed, about his experience working with our virtual advising office. Hi there, I'm Mohammed Sagar, and I'm one of Amira's advisees. Um, I've been searching for how to study abroad, and I've just met with Amira. Uh, and it's, it's like the best thing that happened to me. Uh, it's been a year now, almost a year now, and I've learned a lot throughout this year. I'm like every single aspect of the U.S. systems, how colleges work, how they accept students, the application process, everything. Uh, thankfully, Amira covered, and I'm just so, so happy and grateful. And it's been one of the greatest experiences. Thanks, Mohammed, for sharing your perspective about working with Amira. We're so glad that we've been able to support you along your journey, and we look forward to hearing more about your process of applying to colleges and universities in the United States. You're in good hands with Amira. Now that we talked about the students, let's talk about another part of your job that is so important, and that is connecting with our higher education institutions and the representatives at these uh, colleges and universities. And so we know that you meet, you know, these university reps at different conferences, whether they might be the Education USA Forum or NAFSA or NAGAP, International ACAC, NACAC, whichever ones they are. But really, how do you manage your relationship with them? And what do you do to maintain that connection? So I got the chance to meet with some HEIs in my last training in Qatar. These are admission officers who work at U.S. universities in Doha. Our meetings were very, very fruitful. I presented Education USA in Libya and explained um, the challenges and the achievements of our students. And after these meetings, we exchanged business cards to keep in touch. So HEIs usually share their upcoming events or opportunities for international students with me. And I also share any updates related to Libya or any potential collaborations uh, for virtual events, webinars, or fairs you know, for Libyan students. Uh, whenever the event is successful, I tend to recommend it to my colleagues in the MENA region. That is wonderful. For me, I think that that is my favorite part, meeting with HEI reps. And because I'm based in DC, always I attend the DC forum. I meet with several HEIs during the DC forum. And also every year I go to at least one other conference. And during the events, I exchange numbers and business cards. Um, you know, so I always try to maintain my connections and relationships with the HEIs through my business WhatsApp. Also, we are going to have our newsletter specifically designed for higher ed community that will be out very soon. Yeah. Do you have any like examples, like a specific example of your relationship with the U.S. institution and maybe how you developed that relationship? 
I have a good one. Thanks to our network, Education USA, some of my CCC students got the chance to participate in two virtual competitions with Iowa State University this summer, so summer 2021. Um, the students attended some workshops and worked in teams to, de to deliver some projects in a few weeks. And um, at the end of the competitions, they received a free t-shirt, and certificates of accomplishment, as well as automatic merit scholarships to that specific university. So that was a great experience for the students, thanks to the HEIs. Nice work, Amira. So a couple of examples come to my mind, but uh, one of them that I really liked is that typically Iranian students have issues with releasing official transcripts from their schools in Iran. And this is something that I always try to highlight in my communications with HEIs, that if these things happen, um, please make sure that you contact Education USA Iran and share that concern with me that I can work with the students and you to figure this out. Two years ago, I had a school who contacted me and just shared their concern about a student from Iran. He couldn't release his official transcript. And I just talked to the student in Farsi and just helped him with some resources. And at the same time, I worked with the school to make sure that they can extend the deadline for the student to, you know, save some more time to go through that process. Because for male applicants, most of the time, the process of releasing their official transcript can go, can be longer. Eventually, we could resolve that issue. The student got his official transcript and the school made an exception, had extended their deadline for that student and the student got the admission and full scholarship. It's just so important that our higher ed community know that Education USA advisors are there for them. Many times they can't travel to the countries or the region. And just the fact that you are on the ground or you're knowledgeable about the countries that you cover is really key. And that they can come to you with the questions that they might have is, is really essential. And also a great point about our network and what we can provide to the community. So thank you for sharing those examples. So, okay, we all know that language is really important. and this might be a really good time to teach one short phrase in your language to our higher ed community to use when they meet a student from your country. Sure, I can go first. I think that that is something that anyone like HEI reps, international student offices, or any other offices on campus can take advantage of it. And the phrase is welcome, which in Farsi is khosh amadid. I remember when my husband and I came to the U.S. 10, 11 years ago as international students, the very first event that we were invited uh, was held by the international student office. And so the very first thing that I noticed was a big banner at the entrance showing welcome in different languages. And just seeing the on the banner brought tears in my eyes. It was a very emotional and memorable moment for me. So I felt like that I am welcome here. That's so sweet. Thank you for sharing. For me, um, let me teach you three phrases in Arabic. So uh, the first one, hello, you can say Aslima. 
And uh, if you want to say like, how are you? You can say, and um, if you want to say, nice to meet you, you can say, again, and um, Amy, I'm curious to know well, how to say what's up with you in Farsi. Uh-huh. So we say, wow, what a great little mini language session from the both of you. And you're right, Amy, you know, you hear something in your own language and it's, it's just the effort that people take to say a word or two, whether it's welcome or thank you. I love the word thank you in Arabic, shukran. These, these little things can go a far way with the student. Before we go into our final section of our podcast, we're gonna hear from Mohammed, an advisee that Amy's been working with since 2019. He'll share with us a little bit about his experiences applying for assistantships and PhD programs. Let's hear what Mohammed has to say. My name is Mohammed. I've been an advisee at Education USA Iran. I started working with Amy back in 2019 when I was searching for a graduate assistantship at different departments of my university for my master's level admission. I reached out to her because my graduate assistantship was rejected at the department that I had applied for. So uh, she get, she guided me on crafting professional email messages when I was like contacting departments in search of an assistantship. Having her as my advisor helped me greatly as I was finally able to get the assistantship. She also advised me during prepping for my student visa interview, the most stressful process of my coming to the United States. I am glad I had her help during applying for to a couple of universities for my doctorate as well. I finally graduated my master's program in summer 21 and began my doctorate in August 21. Thank you, Amy. I really appreciate everything you did for me. Way to go, Mohammed! Congratulations on finishing your master's degree and getting that assistantship with Amy's advice and help. We wish you all the best as you pursue your PhD and great to see that you're coming back and using Education USA's services. Know we're here for you each and every step of the way. In this segment, we're talking about outreach to students in hard to reach places. Amy, what were your first thoughts when you heard that almost everyone was moving virtually? I mean, did it even impact what you do being as your virtual already? Yeah, so as you said, you know, I mean, I have been always virtual even before the pandemic. So I already had all the equipments and platforms that I needed like Zoom, Powtoon for creating videos, business WhatsApp and phone, or, or even online scheduling platforms and, or, or many other tools that advisors typically need to maintain their communications with the students and the schools in the virtual world. For my students, however, I can say when the schools and many other organizations and offices started going online, so the center started receiving many you know, inquiries and messages from students who were concerned about the delay in visa appointments, administrative processing time, as well as a lack of funding opportunities and many other challenges. So I can say that it definitely, you know, added extra uncertainty and stress to my students' lives. And 
of course, my daily work. What about you, Amira? So for me, I was a teacher before getting this job. And when COVID erupted, and when I, we realized um, that we're switching to um, online classes, I was very concerned. And um, the first questions that came to my mind were, how, how are we going to do this? And are the students going to be satisfied to, to be taught online? All right, then how long am I going to be able to make my classes interactive? Um, I started reading about remote learning and I received a training on how to manage an online class and I recorded my first online course in April 2020. And uh, by the end of 2020, I applied for the EDUSA virtual advisor job offer. At that time, uh, pivoting from an in-person to a virtual position was not a big deal um, because I started getting used to the virtual world. Definitely, obviously, where were you both were one step ahead of many of us, but I think it just goes to show that been such a changing environment and you know looking to you and your expertise and learning from you all as well as learning as we've all gone in different directions in this virtual world is really key so thank you for thank you for your input and just your overall perspective thank you all right so um, if you had one minute to talk directly to someone in admissions wanting to connect with hard to reach students virtually, what advice would you give them? Oh, only one minute? Only um, one minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, right. Iranian students are known as hardworking individuals. Despite all the challenges they face during this path from several trips to other countries, for visa appointments and taking some English proficiency exams to the mandatory military service in Iran or, or financial pressures and many, many other limitations. The US still remains their top choice to pursue their higher education. So please connect your Iranian applicants to me at www.educationusairan.com and let me and my colleagues help you to better understand their cases. Thank you. Now it's my turn, okay. Yes. <laughs> Being flexible is just priceless for hard to reach students. There are bright students, determined students, creative students, and talented students that deserve the chance to study in the US and receive good funding in Libya. These students have struggled from war, revolution, school interruptions, and are facing daily unexpected electricity cuts. Unfortunately, most of them won't be able to provide some required test results because they are not available in their country. They also need to travel to other countries for their visa interviews. These students have very strong potentials and are very determined to reach their study dream destination. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. And it really is a testament to these students who can't um, even in the most normal circumstance, walk into an Education USA advising center and meet with an advisor to find us online, to engage, to really put the time and the effort, given all of the challenges that they face. And with your help and information and the support of our higher ed community, we can make that happen for them. All right. So, now, more than ever, we know that people are trying to come up with creative ways to use technology to bridge across physical distances. And there's many, 
new ways that we've been able to do this and over the past year and a half, two years. Since the both of you are really pros at the virtual environment, can you give us any creative virtual programming tips that your advising centers use and maybe that you might wanna share here um, as some takeaways for our listeners? Absolutely. So um, some of the best, let's say, virtual tools that I use to create my own icebreakers, if I have, you know, uh, group advising meetings or workshops to run, are Mentimeter, um, Kahoot for quizzes, and I have slides, and Jamboard. Um, I also started the concept of the virtual coffee hour, where I can e-connect with other Libyans who are interested in studying in the U.S., and that would be like a great chance for them to ask their questions uh, directly to me. How about you, Amy? I, I really love your virtual coffee hour. I'm going to just steal that and we'll change it to tea talk. <laughs> uh, one hour tea talk sure. with my students. That, that would be awesome. I'm pretty sure that my students will love it. So yeah, like you, Emira, so we also actually always uh, come up with some um, different creative, innovative ideas and activities uh, for Education USA Iran. So something that I'm currently working on is uh, the Education USA Iran podcast that will be soon um, available. In this podcast series, we are going to have mini episodes um, sharing some information about the student lives in the U.S. We will have some interviews with HEIs, and hopefully we will have some Farsi-speaking faculty members, Iranian students or staff uh, just participating in the podcast. And last but not least, I'm currently working on MOOC um, to create several online courses in Farsi um, that help Iranian students to educate themselves about U.S. higher education in Farsi, um, learn more of U.S. higher education system um, and all the important information they need. And they can definitely then contact Education USA Iran Advising Center with some more specific questions that they may have. Thank you so much, Amina and Amy. It's obvious that you have content knowledge, you have country-specific uh, information of what's happening on the ground, and then overall, just your connection to how to reach students in the virtual world, specifically with your environments, is so valuable to our community. So thank you. Thank you for the work that you do for the students. And oftentimes being that bridge between our higher ed community and the students that are interested in studying in the United States. We've learned a lot of really great tips from the both of you, as well as a deeper insight into the work that you do and how we all can do a better job of reaching students um, in this world that we're operating in right now. So thank you, thank you for your work. And we look forward to hearing from our listeners, their thoughts, impressions, continue to reach out to us on our social media platforms, by email, as well as through The Edge. And with that, thank you for listening to The Edge. The views and opinions of the EDGE podcast do not necessarily represent those of Education USA, U.S. Department of State, or the U.S. government.